Hey, welcome to the Risen Nation Church podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. Our goal and desire here at Risen Nation Church is to prepare a place for God's presence with God's people. If you'd like more information on upcoming events or how to connect with us or even to partner with us, you can visit risennation.org. We do hope you enjoy today's message. Um, about two weeks ago, again, I'm going to need help today because I don't know exactly what's happening inside of me, but all I know is that I'm seeing God in a completely different way. To the point that I've taken videos off YouTube, no joke, there's something that God's revealing to me in secret that I've never seen before in this measure. The love of God and realizing that, like I, I, so two weeks ago, for those of you that weren't here, I did a message called the kingdom of love and I would encourage you to just watch that because that's kind of a foundation for what I'm going to go after today. But you know, one thing I said was there's, it says in, in Revelation that there's four creatures and they're, they're staring at the Lord and it says they're full of eyes and they're crying, holy, 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 the God who was, who is, and who is to come. And there's never come a day that those creatures have found his bad side. There's never been a day that they've thought, don't catch him on a bad day. We found his bad side. And the Bible says he is altogether lovely. That means that there's nothing about him that's not lovely. And it's not lovely like we would think. It's not feeling oriented. But, you know, I, I can already feel it. The, the mindset of you're overemphasizing the love of God. Impossible. You need to balance it with severity, and we've taught a bipolar God who's happy one day and mad the other. That's not God. Because he is love, 1 John 4, 8. He is love, and so there's nothing that he can do, there's nothing he can be that's outside of love. A.W. Tozer would say, everything God is, he is perfectly and forever. He's immutable, which means he's unchanging. So when God says... God isn't just merciful, he is mercy. So when he's mercy, he's mercy forever. Amen. Like when he says, I love you, he's not just saying, I love you in this moment. I love you forever. And he, he's so love, it says in, in 1 Corinthians that love is kind, love is patient, love trusts, it bears all things, it never holds a record of wrong. So when you, if he believes all things and he is love, then when you say, God, I love you, he believes you. So he's, there's nothing about him that isn't good. Even his severity is love. Even his wrath is love. And it cuts away everything that hinders you from beloved identity in him. And the Lord is revealing this. It's not even a side of him. It's just him. Like I'm, I'm pacing in a circle last night. And I'm hearing God say, you know nothing. And I'm like, yes. People are like, that's my pastor, he doesn't know anything? Nothing. <laughs> and if you think that you've got it all figured out, you don't. But he's so good that they can stand before him for eternity and cry holy and not get sick of it. We get tired of singing a chorus for 10 minutes in worship, waiting for the next thing because we've missed the one thing. So as we go deeper into this, I just, I want to encourage you that what I have found with, I'm not just talking, identity has become like this trendy word. Let, let's talk sonship. 
right? When we talk sonship, sometimes if the constitution of the kingdom of God and sonship isn't the poor in spirit, that the meek will inherit the earth, it'll become entitlement, right? And and what we think is, is I'm going to tell you who you are, but then I've got to make sure I add some works into it called holiness to keep you balanced. But true identity is not a separate message from righteousness, True identity, when you find out who you are and you see his mercy, you automatically consecrate, right? I'm, I'm married and I'm not fighting every day to not commit adultery. I am absolutely in love with this whole pregnant lady right here. And, and I'm so in love that my love drives me to live for her. My love drives me to not cheat on her. And I'm not thinking as I'm in a grocery store, don't cheat. Because I don't live by the impulses of the flesh, but we can live by the impulses of the spirit. Right? So if righteousness is done outside of love, it'll turn into hypocrisy every time. And it's repetition, and it's religion, and it smells before the Lord. So there's not identity in righteousness. There's sonship. And because we found the son, we become like the son, and you lose your life and you gain his. So everything that I'm saying... This is not empowering entitlement. This is not taking us from the simplicity that's in him. Listen, Jesus is a head and a body. You are the body of Christ. So when I tell you who you are, what I'm really telling you is who he is in you because you died and now your life is hidden in Christ with God, right? So as we go deeper into this message of the kingdom, into this message of beloved identity and sonship in God, you have to remember that the only way to it is humility. The only way to true sonship is losing your life. But we have to get off the treadmill of performance. Because we're running on a treadmill and we feel like we're getting something accomplished, but we're not going anywhere. And the world doesn't know that Christians are even alive. So listen, I, 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 Romans 8 14 says this, those that are led, and I'm just recapping from two weeks ago, those that are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. That word led in Greek means attached, fastened, to be laid a hold of, right? So those that have fastened themselves, those that have attached themselves, those that have laid a hold of him, those are the sons of God. And that word sons in Greek, the Greek word is, is weos, and that word means fully mature, right? So when Jesus is 12 years old and he's in the temple and he's asking questions of himself and mesmerizing the scholars, and, and Mary comes to him and says, son, where are you? That word son is a different word. That word in Greek, the, the, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right. Harry speaks Greek, so you can correct me, but well, I don't know. Do you still speak Greek somewhat? Technon is son when Mary's talking to her young son. And technon is, is, is immature. It's, it's the childlike. But, but the weos of God, that's the fully mature sons of God. So we have, everyone's in the body of Christ. Every, everyone is a son and a daughter, but not everyone is a fully mature one. And the fully mature sons of God are the ones that don't live by the impulses of the flesh, but live according to the impulses of the spirit. You see, I think, I believe, I know 
that there is a place in God. See, see, when we're led by him, it's a craving for him. It's, it's I'm, I want to be laid a hold of, like Paul prayed, Father, I pray I lay a hold of that which has laid a hold of me. I pray I love with the same intensity of that which took hold of me. And when you find that that has taken a hold of you, I believe there is a place in God where if you took the greatest lust you have ever experienced, it wouldn't match to the lustful desire for him. That messes with religion. Lust, it messes with religion. Wildly in love people that break into rooms with an alabaster box and fill the room with fragrant oil and waste everything on him upsets religion. That's why churches struggle to grow that are over two and a half hours long. Too much fragrance. Too much love. Too much worship. What are you going to do for eternity? There's not going to be chilies in there. There won't be football there. There won't be basketball there. We're so restless over our sports not starting. People get so mad at me when I talk about this stuff. They're like, don't take my football away from me. You have an idol in your life probably. (laughs) Fantasy. We're stuck in fantasy football, man. You need to get in reality. The kingdom of God wants to reign and rule on the earth. Now, listen, you can, I'm not... I like, I like watching football. Just don't let it have your heart, okay? Like when you watch the news and you want to go and like set the place on fire, just don't let it have your heart. Watch so you can pray. Watch so you know what to pray. And please don't be one of the millennials that's like, I never watch the news because it's just all bad and, and glory to God and you're completely confused of what's happening in the world. No, no, no. Watch so you can give God a target. That's what it says. Watch and pray. <laughs> so listen, we are the weos of God, but we have to get off of the treadmill. And I believe today we're going to get off the treadmill. But I need to build this foundation and still recapping from two weeks ago. This is Romans 8 in the Passions Translation, verse 1. It says, so now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the love of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us. It's given you freedom. The church doesn't know what to do with liberty today. And then we call it messy grace. If you're still in sin, you, you have a love problem, not a sin problem. For the law of sin and death, for God achieved what, was the, law, what the law was unable to accomplish Because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness. Clothed with humanity, God's son gave his body to be a sin offering. So that the God, so God once and for all, for all, everyone say all, All. could condemn the guilt and the power of sin. It doesn't have a hold on you anymore. You're completely free from it and you have a choice to be in it or be free from it. It's all up to you. And we are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves, but those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are those motivated that pursue spiritual realities. For the mindset of the flesh is death, 
but the mindset controlled by spirit finds life. Listen, imagine you have a child in school, okay? And, and let's say that teacher, or it doesn't have to be school. How many of you are parents in here? You're all gonna understand this. Imagine a stranger, okay, comes up to your kid, finds where your kid is, and comes up to your three-year-old every day and gets on his knees and looks in that three-year-old's face and every day tells the three-year-old how worthless you are. What would that do to you as a parent? Right, right? So, so I, I started creating a, a, a what-if situation in my head, which is not the safest thing to do for your <laughs> salvation. But, I, but the Lord is, is teaching me something because, you see, what the enemy does is he always comes against sonship. So Jesus... Jesus comes up out of the water after being baptized in the Jordan, never having worked one miracle yet, and he comes out as beloved son, and he hadn't done anything for the Father. Right? In church today, we're about numbers. How many people did you get today? How many prophecies did you release today? No, no, no. Here's, did you touch his heart? Did you abide with him? Were you with him? Today, Like, it's frustrating as a father when your kids are obsessed with doing stuff and they never notice you. So what the enemy did is he didn't come to Jesus and say, let's go clubbing. He didn't go to Mary, or I'm sorry, he didn't go to Eve and say, you want to have sex? Gosh, I love how just you can feel religion, just the word. (laughs) We're going to completely destroy religion today. He didn't say any of those fleshy things. He came evil which always disguises itself as good. And he said, don't you want to be like God? And if, and if she would have just been like, no, devil, I'm already like God, she would have never fallen. But the fact that she said, of course I want to be like God. If I went to any church, man, this is what breaks my heart because you go to most churches and you ask, how many of you want to be like him? And then you eat the same fruit because you don't believe you already are. Right, So the, the, the devil is not like this, this person that just wants you on drugs. No, he's religious. You see, the world loved Jesus. They, the sinners, they sat with him. It was the Pharisees that stuck him on a tree. It was the Pharisees that confused the sinners to turn against him. It was the religious ones that got into people's heads and say, look what he's saying. He's saying that he's the son of God, and it's always well, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, that is offensive. And the next thing you know, it's festered up into a tree called offense and religion. And we're going from church to church to find where we can be loved because you don't know that you're loved by the Father. And so he, he didn't come and say, let's go clubbing. He said, come on, if you be the son of God, turn this rock into bread. Jesus offered across this life three times that we're aware of in scripture. He's hanging on a tree. If you be the son of God, come on, get yourself off of there. Surely, surely the angels will come. If you be a son, it's always the accusing voice that says, did he really mean it when he said that? Is that what he really meant? Like you, worthless you? So imagine your child is told over and over again how worthless they are. As a father, I'm going to go and I'm going to deal with the voice of the accuser. I, my God, I'm going to deal with the voice of the accuser, and I'm going to need my wife to make sure I stay gentle and Christian. My wrath will be so beyond anything I've ever experienced in my life 
because my love is so drastic for my kid. I am going to judge the world with such passion that the greatest judgment the world had ever seen up to that point was the greatest act of love to ever hit the earth. And he dealt with the voice of the accuser. It's like he went down and he said, you've told my son how worthless he is his entire time he's been here. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shut you up and I'm going to spend eternity telling my son how worth it he is. So then we get into church and we teach who you're not rather than who you are. Partnering with the same voice. If you can just get rid of sin. No, no, no. If you can just see him. Listen, if if, if you can just stop doing drugs. No, no, you don't understand. See, what draws us to him is that when the drug addict says, yeah, but, but I can't get off drugs, he says, you're precious. And then when the alcoholic says, yeah, but I, I just can't, I can't stop drinking. I don't know how to stop. I can't, I, I just, I can't stop watching porn. I don't know what to do. We rebuke them and we say, you're going to hell if you don't stop having someone give their life to Jesus for the wrong motive. But here's what, here's what draws us. Don't, I don't want to hear a yeah, but, but because you're precious. I, nothing about me as a father with my kids is dependent on their performance. They mess up daily. Three-year-old and one-year-old fight constantly. But there's nothing as a father that determines their sonship based on their performance. And I'm tired, I'm just tired of hearing about a God that's not as compassionate as I am with my own kids. You see, when you see his mercy, you consecrate yourself. When you see the radical love of God, you get off the treadmill and you realize, I haven't been going anywhere. I've been in this cycle for 40 years where I go to church. What's different about my life? And so three weeks ago, before I preached the kingdom of love, I, I, I'm, I'm with the Lord, and I get a picture of Todd White's protesters. Some of you heard this. And I see them holding a sign that says, Todd White, hell awaits you. And it always, you know, there's always this, I, listen, I come from a Middle Eastern family. So, you know, part of me is like, I just, I mean, Todd and I would talk about, what if we put sprinklers, like, right there? <laughs> Timed it perfectly. Todd White, oh my gosh, no way. Yeah, he said it. We've, we've said all kinds of stuff. And you want to go and rip their sign up and, you know, it's annoying, right? And, and the Lord came to me and he said, isn't it amazing that you've gone up on stage and waved the Sam banner? Oh, I, I went to, I deleted everything. Isn't it crazy how we stand up and we say, if you die today, you're going to go to hell. Hell awaits you. Run to the altar so we can get people to pray a prayer that doesn't transform your life. Because you know that nowhere in scripture did they repeat a prayer to get in. No, no, no. Their life was lost and they found a new one. We've, we've set up things that are just not in the Bible. Now, 
Am I against altar calls? Of course not. People repeat the prayer? Of course. But if that prayer and that altar doesn't turn into an altar in secret, then you just had a, a public display that can't do anything for you. Our banner, our banner should say, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Hey, hey, when you were watching porn last night, he still thought you were precious. That messes with religion like you could never imagine because what people say is that's messy grace. No, you don't understand. His goodness draws us to repentance. And when you find that goodness, he's in the room now and you would never open the computer again. People are like, well, you're not preaching holiness. You don't understand. You can't be holy. You cannot be righteous. So he crucified you on a cross, and you didn't have to feel it. Oh, my gosh, if you could see. He took the punishment as the ones he was dying for watched, mocked, and spit at him. Looking at a man that was marred beyond anything they had ever seen, you couldn't even recognize him. And he's still saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Why don't we think that when someone's doing drugs, that the son is not interceding on our behalf, saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see how it draws us in. When you see the love of God, it ambushes you. And you're not trying to not steal the candy bar in the store and telling people, don't do it. You're in sin. You're in sin. You're in sin. We've magnified sin when we need to magnify God. Because when you magnify God, sin runs out of the room. It just runs out of your life. And all of a sudden, you're in liberty going, oh, my gosh, I'm married now. The way I used to look at a woman, it's just not there anymore. It's incredible. And listen, Emily and I. After service, or flying to California, bless the Lord, oh my soul. And I'm going to go sit on a beach. Don't worry, I'll be back Saturday in time for church. But we go to California today, and it, it's like clothes are getting smaller and smaller because girls don't know who they are, so they want to be approved by men. They don't know that they're a precious daughter of a king, so they want everyone to look at them and say, look at me. Guys, too, same boat. So you go to the beach today, and what used to tug on my heart just isn't there anymore. But it's, but it's not because I have found how to be righteous. No, no, no. I'm walking on the beach with him. I want you to write down, get off the treadmill of performance. Christianity is not based on your behavior. It's based on you belonging, which changes behavior. Christianity is not a checklist of, of everything that I've done. It's not a checklist of, okay, I don't do drugs anymore. Don't watch porn anymore. Don't, don't drink anymore. Okay, I think I've got it. I'm free now. It'll always, when it's religious, it'll always become hypocrisy. And then you'll go in front of people and you'll say, yeah, I don't struggle with that. Well, you're struggling with it because you're trying to maintain an image because you haven't found his. He dealt with the voice of the accuser. Jeremiah 29, 13. I, just, I don't want you to turn to it. Just write this down. Because what the Lord's doing, and here's where I'm going to transition. That was just review. If you got somewhere to go, now would be the time to leave because I'll be a little bit longer. 
But you see, I, I've been the type, you can ask my wife, I'd have these seasons where I'm like, I'm not, do, I'm like, I'm never watching, I'm gonna fast forever. <laughs> Anyone ever been there? And all of a sudden you see what fasting does because it's amazing. You see the results of the fast and all of a sudden you're like, never eating again. And then it just turns off because it became religious. Uh, see, I'm the type where like, my family wants to do something with me, but I'm like, no, 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 I have an obligation to the Lord to be in secret. God's like, can you be a father like I'm a father? Do you have to leave the secret place to be a father? That'd be dangerous. Do you leave abiding to be a husband? That would be a horrible thing. But, but I'm the type of person where I'm like 120% all into one thing. You can ask them when I want something, I'm working on it as a senior pastor, a little bit demanding, getting there. But I'm just the type. I'm, I have that personality that needs to die a little bit of when I want something, my God, I'm not gonna stop until I get it. It's just always been my personality. Maybe it's because my big brother beat me up all the time and, I, and I'm the youngest, so, I have, so I'm just, I'm gonna fight my way and I'm gonna get it. And I had this idea of God that he's in a closet somewhere and I'm searching my whole life trying to find him. And if I can be religious enough, if I can fast and pray enough, if I, if I do it enough, if I can be flawless, maybe I'll find him. And we're playing hide and seek with a God that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And we're confused as a church. So this one verse has, has been that verse for me that's like, I'm going to seek God with all my heart, and I'm going to call it surrender when really it's religion. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this in the New King James, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now stop. I take that. I'm like, I'm all in. Nothing else has my heart. My family, forget them. I'm all in with you, Jesus. And it sounds right, and it's, and it's amazing. But the next thing you know, you're in this repetition, not encountering him, and you've adopted a language without an encounter. So this one verse, I'm like, Lord, you said if I, if I search with all of my heart, with everything, I'm gonna seek, and I'm gonna seek, and I'm gonna bang on the door until it's opened, and, and, I've, and I, you make it all this religious performance that if I'm good enough, he'll respond. So foundational. If I'm good enough, if I can just be good enough, maybe he'll answer me. When he dealt with the lying, accusing voice that said, you'll never be good enough. When you seek me, you will find me. When you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. Now stop. I, I, I said, Lord, surely this is not a religious thing. Surely this isn't some like goose chase uh, see, I don't believe that we find him. I believe he found us. Yeah. Right, right? So, but this verse contradicts that. This is where I've been at. Anyone ever asked God a hard question? Usually revelation begins with a question. So it's okay to go to God and say, Lord, what on earth does this mean? Because that has made me religious. Now hear me out before you start freaking out because I love the Bible. When you read it, in the original text, please, guys, the Bible wasn't written in English. You have to know that. So you got to go and you've got to study 
to show your life approved. You've got to see what they meant when they wrote it in Hebrew and when they wrote it in Greek. So if you look this up in the Strong's, you'll find that the word me doesn't exist. Go back. Go back to verse 13 with the shakiness. All right. Okay. When you sh- go to the, okay, I got to wait. I need you guys to go to the New King James. When you seek me, you will find me. That word me doesn't exist in the original. So here's what it says. When you seek me, you'll find this. You'll find. When you search for me with all your heart, that word all means to be whole. Just track with me. I will be found by you. That word found means to be enough. So here's what this verse is saying in the original. Don't don't look up there. Just listen. Just turn that off. So in other words, listen, so in other words, if we read it how it was written, this is like changing my whole life. When you seek me, you will find that when you search for me with a whole heart. You will realize when you come after me with a whole heart, not not like, okay, I'm going to bite my tongue until I find him, and if I do it with every ounce of energy I have, if I run as fast as I possibly can, maybe I'll see him on the other side. If I don't sin in the process, if I mess up one time, maybe he'll run away. No, no, no. It's, it's getting off that treadmill. When you seek me, here's what you're going to find as you seek me with the whole heart, that I've always been enough. Listen, when you seek me, it doesn't say, you will find me. When you seek me, you will find this out about who I am. Some of you are missing it. When you get into your closet and you say, Father, and you start repeating your religious prayer. I've been there. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. My mind goes off into bills 30 minutes later. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And I think, well, I prayed for an hour today. He must be happy. Okay, now I gotta cover my family. I gotta cover my, you know, gotta cover my brother. Only God knows, you know what I'm saying? I gotta cover my brother. <laughs> gotta make sure my dog is good. And, and if, I, if I don't say all the right things and I miss something and I got my prayers on the wall and, and I'm not against any of it, make your supplications known to God. Just don't be religious. Like, what if we went into this, the closet and we just sat there and we were like, oh my gosh, he's here. When you go into your closet and you seek him, here's what you're gonna find out about him is that he doesn't need you to run and try really hard with all your strength. He wants your whole heart. However you bring it, just bring him the whole. And when you give him the whole, what you're going to realize is I've actually been there the whole time, and I've always been enough, and I don't need your help. I mean, guys, listen. Some of you are, Jesus, I pray that this word bring rest. Because some of you are in this cycle in the secret place and you're upset and frustrated and you're doing all the right things but you don't know why you're upset and frustrated and you're restless. When you seek him, here's what you're gonna find out. He just needs you to come with a whole heart and when you come to him with a whole heart, you're gonna realize that he's always been enough. I heard a pastor say it like this. We need to learn how to trust more in his relationship with us rather than our relationship with him. We have to learn that God's pursuit of us is like nothing we could ever imagine in this life. 
We think we love our kids if you got a glimpse of his thoughts for you. Come on, this, this, this man that has named every star says, I know you. And I have more thoughts for you than all the sand in all of the earth. When you see that kind of God and you realize that the universe, we've discovered 4% of it, still growing at the speed of light. And you see the magnitude of God and you realize that I'm like this little speck. If you took all of humanity, science says, all of humanity, put them down into an atom, that all of us, over 7 billion people would fit in one sugar cube. Are you kidding me? Go look it up. And yet God says, I have more thoughts for just one of you than all the sand in the whole earth. Lord, when you realize that, porn becomes so small. And we think revival is people just coming and getting free from sin, but never actually making the transition into the kingdom. Repent, repent, repent. We don't even know what it means. It goes from here to now you're over here. And there's nothing about you. Come on, if any man be in Christ, he is a, not a refurbished one. He is a new creation. Behold, all, all things have passed away. All things, and now behold, all things have become new. There is nothing about you that relates to the old you. Nothing. And so what we do is, is we try to fix ourselves. And if I can fast enough, maybe I won't sin. If I can pray enough, pray for enough hours, maybe I won't watch porn. And we've tried to replace sin with God. And God wants to completely remove it. What you realize is that he is enough. And he doesn't need our help. When you see that kind of love, you can rest in the fact that God is in a relentless pursuit of me. When you see that love, sin will run out of your life and you won't have to fight it out. You'll be like someone planted beside still waters, like a tree of righteousness. It's his righteousness. Come on, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God, not of William. And today we measure our righteousness against each other and we call it conviction because we're simply not convicted and convinced that the kingdom of God wants to be made manifest in us. We've got to go from just living, I'm convicted, I'm convicted, I'm convicted, to I'm convinced of a truth. I'm, I'm completely convinced that I can live so much in him that my life becomes the righteousness of God in Christ. And I'm not going to have to work for it. I can get off the treadmill and I can enjoy life. I love what Brian, Brian, I love you. I'm so happy to see you. Brian says that this is God's dance to lead and ours to follow. Don't go in the secret place and think you're gonna pull him in with your good prayers. Just go in and take his hand and say whatever you wanna do. See, this is a secret we have here with worship. We don't lead worship. I get up and you know when I get up, it's gonna go at least for another 20 to 30 minutes. <laughs> Every time. Sometimes I can feel like people go up and they're like, already? No, you don't understand. Where, where I'm at, where God's teaching me is sometimes we wait. Okay, we're an hour in. Let's close now. No, no. Wait till you hit the climatic point and move. If we could just learn how to be moved by the impulses of the spirit, 
What if the first song, we got there quick enough, and rather than like, okay, we, we got to get through the set, we just came up and we stewarded the moment. It's his dance to lead, follow, and what we believe is, is that we have some sort of responsibility in this, but you know that word responsibility doesn't actually exist in the Greek, Hebrew, Latin, it doesn't exist. You see, we think, I, I, I want to read this to you, we wrote, I wrote this down, we think that re- this is religion. Now that he loves us, what's our responsibility? Now that he loves us, I'm going to do this. That's religion. When it should be, now that we know he loves us, we have the ability to respond. One is, he loves me, so Lord, tell me now what I, all the things that I need to do and, and accomplish. You love me, so, so what am I responsible for? When the Lord's trying to tell us, abide in me. All you who are weary, come to me and drink. He didn't, he didn't add a job description at the end of that. See, See, we struggle with this as a majority of the church because we think if we're not getting 48 people saved today that we're doing something wrong. When you're not gonna stand before him with numbers, you're gonna stand before him and he's gonna wonder, do you know me? Cast out demons in my name, heal the sick in my name, and he can still say, get away from me, I never knew you. Relationship is now that he loves us, here's my responsibility. I have the ability to respond to him. That's it. We have to stop trying to lead the Holy Spirit and learn how to be led by him. Be fastened to him. Be like, be yoked to him. And as you plow, you simply move with where he moves because he's laid a hold of you. And I'm almost done. If I can have that, if I can have Pastor Rick come back up. Romans 8, I, I haven't left this chapter in probably a month. So now, listen, now that we know that he's dealt with the voice that said, you're never going to be good enough, I, I want you to listen, okay? Because creation, if you just watch for like 10 minutes, the whole world is in an uproar. And creation is groaning with great expectation on tiptoe for the weos of God, the fully mature sons. Not the immature sons that are really good at words of knowledge but don't know their father. Not the immature sons that are great at prophesying but have no idea what it means to be in the office of a prophet. Not sons that label themselves, I'm this and I'm that, but sons that label themselves simply as a son a fully mature son of God if you can play God of revival can you play God of revival again so listen this is Romans 8 starting in verse 18 for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth or compared with the glory to be revealed to us incorrect the original says with the glory that will be revealed in us Everyone say, in us. For creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, the weos of God, the fully mature ones. 
For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. I'm in the ESV. In hope. That creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. It's waiting for you to be freedom to it. This is not what I'm saying. This is the Bible. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. Listen, that word groan is to be restless. And what I love is that word futility. You see, you've got to study it. It means to be devoid of truth, useless, without purpose, worthless. This is how creation is saying they feel. The universe is crying out, we are restless and we feel worthless. What's the point? Creation subjected to worthlessness, not willingly, but because man was given dominion over creation from the garden, from the beginning. And when man fell and lost identity, Jesus comes to restore it. It's like they got a taste. It's been devoided of truth. How many of you know it says that true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth? Creation is groaning restlessly for the freedom of the sons of God. People will take this and they'll say, man, this is entitlement. This is all about you. No, no, no. He never does anything in the earth unless it's through a man. You can pray for hours and hours, but until you step out and you put your feet on the ground and you walk everywhere you go, not not obligated to be an evangelist, but living as a son, and everywhere you go knows there's something different about this one. That every store you walk into is aware that you come from a different kingdom. There's a wild thing in your eye. Anyone ever met anyone like that? You see them and their their eyes are just wild. Like, we call it swirly. Remember, I got around Chip. I'm like, there's something weird in your eye, man. People that have encountered the love of God and can't help but share about it. Creation restless, seeking rest. Groaning for you to take your rightful place as the body. Jesus is like, listen, he, he dies, and what I love, what most people miss, is when they go and look at the tomb, the head is folded perfectly, but the body, the garments that were on the body, they're all scattered and messed up. As if he said, listen, I am the head, and you are the body. I've done my job. Where's my body? Like, fox have their holes, the birds of the air have their nests, but Jesus said, I have nowhere to lay my head, and he wasn't poor. This was a man that came from the line of David that was rich. He had a man follow him with money. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The whole city, the whole nation knew about Jesus being born. He wasn't looking for a place to sleep that night. We've made this so elementary. And we say, we just stay in the simplicity. It's in the Christ. Do you know how profound and deep Christ is? Do you know how much there is to discover of his person? Body of Christ scattered throughout, just trying to get through. And listen, let's just get the heck out of here as quickly as we can. Because the world is going to hell. 
but yet there's a great light inside of you. He is the light that lighteth every man. And the world, the, pro the problem is, is the world can't see it because we have a basket on our head. And the basket is not because we're not sharing. No, no, the basket is we are devoid of truth. The basket is we don't believe what he says about us. We're still partnering with the accuser that says, I can't be that. Talk to a storm. Are you kidding me? How do I follow you? Show me what are the steps in how I follow you in a way that pleases you. It sounds right. Religious always sounds right. Tell me what to do. And here's his response. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests, But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You want to do something for me? Can I lay my head on you? Will I find rest when I find you? Or will I just see the rest of creation restless and groaning? It's amazing how many are in the body of Christ, a part of the restless groan rather than the rest answer. Jesus said, follow me. Well, he said, let me go bury my father. He said, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Verse 23, and when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him and behold, there arose a great storm. So he's telling us, here's what you do. You be rest for me. And then he models it verse 23 through 27 and when he got into the boat his disciples followed him and behold there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being swamped by the waves but he was asleep he's proving a point you think Jesus knew there's going to be a storm of course he did and he took a nap we're over here fighting devils every day looking under the rocks what's the principality what about who's the king what exactly is it that you're searching for? He's sleeping. And they went and they woke him and they said, save us, Lord, we are perishing. I, I imagine like as if Jesus is saying, you have no idea. Save us, you have no idea how much I really am going to save you. And it ain't just going to be from hell. It's going to be, I'm going to save you right into this kingdom kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God because I'm going to place my spirit inside of you. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith. Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm. And the men marveled saying, what sort of man is this? Jesus was not superhuman. Jesus learned obedience by the things that he suffered. Is this too deep for you? He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He did it as a man. Yet God, yet he humbled himself and became a man. And he was the intended man that the Father always intended from the beginning. We have become sub what God intended. Jesus didn't have special superpowers. He had to believe just like you and I would believe. He was tempted with everything just like you and I have been tempted. 
What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Listen to this. The storm was groaning. It was restless. As if it's going, will someone be rest? We have hurricanes that hit, hit the nation. And we're, we're trying to figure out, is this the devil? Is this God? And we're debating as the church and we're rebuking a devil. Jesus didn't get out of the boat and say, devil, I rebuke you. He didn't say, Father, please. He spoke right to a restless groaning storm. In chaos, the world is in chaos, seeking the rest. We are, said God, fully mature sons. So Jesus gets out of the boat and he points at the storm and he rebukes it. I love it. That word rebuke, listen, this is so good. It means to honor, to raise the price or the value of. In other words, you're more than worth Like a parent telling their kid, better than them. Took his rightful place as the son, the first, first fruits. One son became many sons. He is the firstborn amongst many brethren. Just one got out of a boat and said, you're better than that. And it listened. And we think it's a metaphor when we say, talk to the mountain and the mountain will be cast into the sea. What if we've built doctrine around our weakness and our hopelessness? You see, we have a doctrine today that's created called get the heck out of here and escape. And I know that some people aren't going to come back for this, but I will not preach anything that isn't truth and I'm not going to compromise it, but a doctrine birthed in hopelessness. Of, Amen, it's getting dark. It's getting dark, Lord. We're going to wait on the highest mountain closest to heaven. Please don't get left behind. Work really hard so you don't get left behind. What have we done to the gospel that says, as the glory of as the waters cover the sea, so will the glory of God fill the earth? Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you enjoyed that message. If you'd like more information on what we're up to or how to connect with us and even to see our upcoming events, you can visit us at risennation.org. We bless you. Grace and peace to you today.